listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer Podcast. I'm Rob George and we speak on a very sunny but cold Thursday morning we're recording this. And just to keep it up to current, because you know how we like to be updating as possible, we are in the early stages of a Brexit deal. Du, du, du. <laughs> You need you see that you just needed that. Claire is obviously with me, and I thought we'd just start by first reactions. We're not going to be Brexit cast. If you want the whole um, Brexit rundown, then do ch- tune into the Brexit cast, which is excellent. Hi guys, give us a mention as well in response. I've just knocked the wire. You see, you don't get that from Laura Coons, but <laughs> but on the surface, it doesn't look too much different. Does it not? I haven't been through it yet. I've so. not been. I've only seen the surface, so I will say on the surface it doesn't look too much different to what Theresa May put. Mm. Some are saying that it's a softer Brexit, that Boris has given a lot of ground. Some are saying it's actually harder. Labour are predictably saying it's rubbish and we're going to vote against it. Mm. I think we're now at the end game. Mm. And I think Saturday will now be crucial. But do you think he's going to get enough votes? At the moment, as we're recording this, Thursday lunchtime, no. I don't think he will. So what will happen then, Rob? I have no idea. Then does he have to go back and ask for an extension? Or then does... Do we just leave without a deal? What? I don't know. It's there all getting rumor, so complicated, There are rumours as we're recording this on Thursday lunchtime, and I say this because I, I know it's annoying, but obviously everything changes that quick with Brexit that we are going to be out of date. Probably the moment this comes out, we're going to be out... Of day. But as we're recording this on Thursday, there are reports that Boris will tell the EU council leaders that he's meeting later on this afternoon on Thursday. I'm going to move my hand because I keep knocking something. <laughs> um, that it's this deal, no deal, or no de- and no delay. Mm. Which you can read into two things, that he's going to put this before the uh, parliament, and if parliament rejects it, then he'll take us out without a deal. Or you can look at it the other way, which I'm prepared... I'm thinking, and I'm just going to hypothesise here, I'm thinking that if they vote against it this time, he's going to find a way of getting a general election sorted. Right. And he's going to turn around and say, vote for it, otherwise we will have a general election because I will find a mechanism to have a general election and I will make sure the country knows that I put a deal on the table and you just all voted against it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that would be his best way to a majority. But the Brexit Party particularly have already said it's rubbish, which oh, I don't they? understand. Hmm. Um, I, I think Boris is charismatic enough now to actually stand in front of the House of Commons on Saturday when they're sitting. And if you want to know why they're sitting on Saturday and not Friday, it's because the EU Council runs until tomorrow. Boris will be in Brussels until tomorrow, which I know is not a million miles away, but MPs have constituency surgeries on Friday, which can't be moved and people make appointments a month in advance sometimes. So it's to allow the MPs to have their constituency surgeries on Friday, and then they will all return to London on Saturday. I mean, it's it's um, precarious times, isn't it? But it's a bit exciting, isn't it? It is massively exciting. If you're a massive political egg, the last 24 hours have been brilliant. There's no deal yet. There's rumours that a, deal, a deal's been agreed. It's going backwards and forwards. But if I'm Boris Johnson now... I quite simply say, I've made some changes. They're not great, but, I'm, you know, we respect the Good Friday Agreement and we do, we do leave everything. We do leave this, we leave this, we leave this. And I would turn around and say, now, 
I'm not gonna, we're not gonna carry on. It's been going on three years. It will go on no longer. Vote for it, don't vote for it. But if you don't vote for it, I will find a way of getting a general election. And I will say to everybody, you voted against it. Because the Brexit party then, they'll, they'll lose votes because they'll see a Conservative leader wanting to deliver it. Right. The Labour Party in the north of England, they will just hemorrhage votes dramatically because people were like, well, why aren't you voting for it? Aren't you the party of Brexit? Which combined with the Liberal Democrat surge in London, I mean, there's a polling, there's polling out for one constituency, the Liberal Democrats have put on 34% wow. in their share of the vote, and they're, they're likely to take it from the Conservatives. Right. But the, the higher is of London where they're going to pick off Labour, I mean, this, this could embolden Boris Johnson. He needs to free himself. Mm-hmm. But then the man's majority is not great anyway, so we don't know, but there is a deal on the table. I'm not happy. I still want to be in the European Union. I do want think Britain's relationship is better but if this works go for it Mm. I went out um, door to door with one of our MPs um, last week and so many people have turned their back on Labour exactly as you said they've either gone to Conservatives or Lib Dems Mm. everyone I spoke to absolutely every door we knocked on um, that's what was coming out time and time and time again so I do think Labour are messing up here aren't they it is because they're not taking a position, and it's not good politics. And you can criticise Boris Johnson. I'm going to criticise Boris Johnson. I mean, personally, I don't think I will ever vote Conservative again. Personally, that's not the views, I should say, of the paper, Bullivant Media, or of any of its employees. That's my personal view. I can't see myself voting Conservative again, because there will be the party that took Britain out of the European Union. But at least they took a position. And Joe Swinson's tactic, you may criticise it, but at least it said to the voters, we've got a clear policy on Brexit, we don't want it, we'll but, revoke it. But, but also a lot of people out there are saying that Joe Swinson is just not respecting what was voted no, for. But and at least it's a policy, at least yeah. it says to people, do you want to know our policy on Brexit? We don't like it, we don't want it. That resonates with people, whereas Labour's policy is, well, we're going to do this and then... And people, that was fine six months after the Brexit referendum. Mm. It's now been three and a half years. You can't sort of say, well, we're going to do this because people are knackered now. Mm. They are knackered about Brexit. They're not tired of Brexit, they're knackered. But Boris has been a bit of a superman, hasn't he? I mean, he's only been in power for a matter of, you know, a month or a couple of months. (laughs) He's done done the job that a competent prime minister should have done. That's very true. That's very true. He's um, done in a few weeks what it took Theresa May two and a half years to do. I know. Where would we be if he'd have got in last time? But I do, on Saturday, I do wonder which... Who is going to vote against this deal now, and well, Labour have already said they'll vote against it. But this is what I really don't understand. So they're going to vote against it, but they won't allow a general election. And they've also passed a law to say that we can't get out without a deal, basically. They were the mm. masterminds. So it, it's just, they're not being very fair, are they? It's, the, the whole Remain problem is, and I hope people listening to this, I'm trying to be fair, and I think I'm expressing both sides. The whole Remain problem is, OK, what would you do? There hasn't been a sort of, well, look, if we did not vote for the deal, here's what we should do. And the Remain side has never laid out how to address the concerns of those who voted and say, look, 
Because there are worthwhile points, like it will make Britain poorer. The... It, you, don't, you can't say that, Rob, because everything I'm reading, that is not the case. It's going to make us a lot richer as far as everything I'm reading. We're going to be... Well, OK, I can't <laughs> say that, but you're allowed to say that because you do some research. That's not fair. It, That's not debate. I've I just said did, it I over just... and over again. You can't say, it, my opinion's not fair because you've read something different. It's just my opinion. But you... But... You, you've just categorically said it's going to make us poorer. In my opinion. And in, in my, my opinion, opinion exactly. it's going to make us poorer. But I never more... said you were wrong. <laughs> I, I'm saying you're wrong for stating that first. I was just doing your exact argument back to you. It's going to make us poorer, in my opinion, based on things I've read. I'm not an economist, but it's in my opinion, it will make us poorer. The, and the best deal we've got is being... But how can it... When we're opening up our market to 2.2 billion as opposed to a declining market of 550 million, how can it make us less profitable in the world's standings? How can it, when we don't have to pay the European taxes, how can it, when we won't be having to pay Europe a billion pounds every single month? Right, I'll just, I'll move, I'll move on. Um, But at least there are positions, and where Labour have fallen apart, and this is not an attack on Labour, it isn't. It's just a simple statement of fact that saying in one breath to the the Labour vote in the north of England, oh, we want to deliver Brexit, and to the Labour vote in the south of England saying, oh, well, we want to put it to the people in a second, you can't do that. You've got to have a policy. Let's face it, Brexit has been on our conscience. It hasn't been on our minds since 2016. It's been on our minds since 2015 when Cameron won the general election. Labour has had four years to say, here's what we do, here's why we do it, and here's our core position. And if you like it, vote for us. If you don't, well, we'll try and change your mind. It's been three and a half years. I'm going to be charitable because Corbyn was elected... Um, in the summer of uh, the September of 2015, it's been four years of sort of, well, we would be inclined, and people don't like the dithering. Where Boris Johnson has got the momentum is because he swooped in and said, right, buff, 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 and buff. And people buff. are loving him out there. And people Everybody have done that. is but loving his people, charisma. There are people, there are Remain voters that are loving the Lib Dems um, response it's, because well, it's, it's a position. Well, At least they've said, I mean, I keep saying it, and I keep. And I had an argument over the weekend with a devout Brexiteer, and I get on very, very well with him. But it's just like, well, they're not respecting them. It's like, but hang on, look at the. This is where you've got to practice the minute politics. Look at what Joe Swinson's saying. She will revoke Article Fifty if a majority Liberal Democrat government is elected. Do the maths. They've got eighteen MPs. To form a majority, they're going to need in excess of 320. I know, but even putting that out there into the ethos is irresponsible no, of her because it's, it's not going to happen. It's not. And it's, it's not irresponsible because I, it would require a vote, a, more of a share of a vote than Tony Blair got in 1997. It would be one of the, it would probably be the biggest political landslide we have ever seen as a country. It isn't going to happen. It's a tactic. It's a tactic to say, we've painted our colours we've painted our colours to the mast. Here's our position, because they know they're never going to have to enact it. But it's a useful bargain. See, I think that's I think that's dishonest politics, and I think people who play that game don't go down favourably in history. Politics, politics has been run like that for generations. It's not dishonest. It's clever politics hmm. because it says to, because it puts and if it. Anyone is as sharp as attack. 
it puts the other parties on notice saying we've got to win a majority here because the price of going into coalition with the Liberal Democrats will be a second referendum because they'll water it down because aim high, we're going to revoke it when the real policy is, well, we'll come into government with you because it looks like no party's going to win an overall majority. So our price for coming into coalition, that's fine, we'll support your Brexit deal if it goes to another referendum. It's just clever politics. If you like it, you vote for it. If you don't, you won't. But it's a clear... The point being of this whole sermon, which I meant to last about two or three minutes, has gone on for about an hour and a half, is that at least they are putting a clear position. If Labour had a decisive position, Labour would be doing a lot better in the opinion polls. But it, it's... There are, there will, for everyone saying that it's the Labour and the Lib Dems will be voting against it, there'll be Conservatives voting against this deal. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But um, I just feel that Boris, and I know I've been banging his drum since the very beginning, I'm a massive Boris fan, and I do think, I've always had faith in him. I don't know, maybe he's been clever here. Maybe he does. He wants it to be not voted on Saturday, and so we can just leave without a deal and save our £39 billion or whatever it is. Who knows? We don't know what's no, going on behind the scenes. No, I think he wants... He wants to be the man that negotiated the Brexit deal because the prize for Boris, if he can extract the UK from the United uh, from the, the UK from the United Kingdom, that's a whole other podcast. If he can extract the UK from the EU, the prize could be bountiful because you kill the Brexit Party stone dead. Because what is that there to campaign on? Because most voters will then stop listening because it's the first response to the Brexit party will be, but Boris took us out. But a lot of them don't like it already. No, they don't, but... The, they think that they'd much prefer a no-deal. It no would deal. shoot the Brexit party fox because their campaign was, well, well, it's not the right deal. I think there's a lot of Brexit people who go, I don't care, I just want it to be out. Mm. So it would shoot them dead. Labour, it would destroy because a general election... I Labour, think Corbyn is dead, Labour, isn't Labour would lose across the north... And he will, he will, they, a lot of seats in London, I would not be surprised, devote Remain areas will ride onto the Lib Dem tails and they will elect Lib Dem MPs, the South West as well. So the prize could be bountiful. However, we don't do gratitude very well in this country. In what respect? I think Boris, I, it may finish Boris off. I think, he, I don't think he'll be the longest serving Prime Minister. Oh, I do. I think, I mean, I put all of our stories across our newspaper group onto our Instagram pages and everything, and I'm just seeing all the good that is coming, all the funds that are being invested into our schools, into our hospitals, into all parts of society. I've never seen it before. I think for him to succeed. He's flashing the cash, he's making people happy. I'm going out door to door with our local MP, and everyone I'm speaking to, and I know this area is quite conservative. But absolutely everyone I'm speaking to is loving Boris. The people out there, Rob, he's becoming a hero. It's not the representative of the majority, though. Well, I think... um, It's not representative of the majority. Are you talking about the majority of people in the UK or are you talking about Parliament? The majority of the UK, because once Brexit's done, the Conservative Party will be saddled as the party that took the UK out of the EU. And more people voted for that than didn't. But it, there was 1.3 million votes in it. It wasn't... Even if it was one vote in yes, it, no, <laughs> that's democracy. Yes, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that in the slightest. I'm simply pointing out 
that there was a 1.3 million deficit gap. If you take Britain out of the EU, those those 16 million people that had their right to be heard, despite being called Remainers, traitors, enemies, saboteurs, they had the right to have a vote as well. But they lost. They should respect the vote. But if you... If you don't win an election, if you voted Lib Dem all your life, who knows, and you don't get into power, you don't sit there for the next four years going, I'm not respecting our government. You just have to get on with it. That's what Britain and our common law is based upon. Yes, and I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just pointing out the very salient point that if Boris Johnson succeeds, if he takes Britain out... Everybody in this country will wish him well because we are all patriots. No one's got the divine right to say we're more democratic and we're more patriotic because that's a damn insult to people that voted Remain because we've had three years of being told we're enemies and everything. We're not. We've got the interests of this country at heart. And we are demo- We believe in democracy. We just believe that it's executed. You in- don't believe in democracy if you haven't respected the vote. People who have constantly moaned about it don't respect democracy. People, they... It is not moaning about it. It is simply pointing out things that would have been the other way around. Because it's laughable. It's absolutely laughable when I hear Brexiteers, oh, you're moaning about democracy. If that was the other way around, we would have spent the last three years going, well, it was such a close vote, we should have another one. It clearly shows the British people are indecisive. Many of you have been saying that. Constantly, every yeah, but, single day. Yeah, but if it had gone the other way around, I love the moral high ground of Brexiteers. Well, it didn't go the other way around, Rob, so we can't ask that question. Yeah, that's, that's fudging the issue. That really is fudging the issue. <laughs> but, but you could say anything about that, about absolutely anything in the world. The fact is, we have to look at the facts. Yes. And the vote went that way, and there's been a collective group of people in this country who have not respected the vote. And they're doing anything they can to stop it and a lot of them are in parliament and i'm sick of voting for people to represent our country and they listen to us and we vote them in but then they go to parliament and they stand there and they have their own views and they're not voting for the people and what the people want it's time that's what's wrong with this country that is where democracy has let us down antoinette sambach the conservative mp who lost the whip um in the purge of the 21 she is facing deselection by her party now. Do you know how many times she voted for Theresa May's withdrawal agreement to actually bring, bring Brexit about, despite the fact she's a committed Remainer? I don't know. Three times. Every time the deal to get, take the European Union out of the U, the UK out of the European Union came before Parliament, she, as a Remainer, voted for it. Right. And now she's being deselected by her party. So she wanted. She was a Remainer. She voted against. She voted for Theresa May. Devote Remainer. Despite that, the withdrawal agreement went in front of Parliament every single time. Antoinette Sambach voted for it. But maybe. And now she's been deselected by a party. Okay, by Boris. No, by her local party. She voted for the thing that would have took the Brit. UK out of the European Union. I'll get that sentence right at some point during this <laughs> podcast. She voted for it and now she's facing deselection by her party. Right, because she's a Remainer. Well, basically that's the, that's come from the top, hasn't it? Boris wants a party of people who believe in the way forward and that's what I call being kind of a strong leader. I she feel... voted for the withdrawal agreement to get out. Yeah, well, maybe she was... Not bad for a Ramona. 
No, I mean, um, I'm sure that's happened quite a few times, hasn't it? I mean, there's lots of people, but I'm talking about the majority of people. I know in Soli Hall there was a massive uproar because one of the Soli Hall MPs just got voted in um, and then totally voted against what his constituency had said time and time again. So I'm sure it happens a lot. If it works, great. But I fear it's going to lead to more political malaise. But the problem I the problem I envisage is that if he loses the vote, we're not going to we're not going to resolve Brexit by a general election because it would polarise the country further. We need to remove. If he loses the vote on Saturday, it's Labour and the DUP, isn't it? They're going to be not voting in the interests of the country and I think the country is going to see them for what they finally are. And they're also tying our you, country's yeah. government's hands behind their back saying, you can't have a no deal, you've got to ask for an extension, they just want to prolong this agony. Businesses, we're seeing it across yeah. our country. High yeah. streets are suffering. We need to get this done. And if those parties do I mean, go against this, the country's I've, going to be... I've got, an enterprise in, I've got an enterprise in solution, which is going to be immediately disagreed with by everybody that voted for Brexit. But listen to my, my reasoning is... This is where I would want the Prime Minister to be cavalier Mm -hmm. and to be bold and to be really, really cards on the table and throw it all against the wall. Instead of a general election, which we could end up... It could deliver Boris the majority and it would deliver the majority, deliver Brexit. But it could also deliver another hung parliament where Boris, again, is stymied by the House of Commons and constantly has to negotiate and, oh, I'll water this down. And I would be bold now if I was Boris Johnson. I would say, everything I see says the people want it done. So what I'm going to do, quite simply, and put an ideal threat on the table to Labour and the DUP, you vote against it on Saturday, I'll revoke it. I'll revoke Article 50... And I will make sure then we will have a general election and we will campaign that I had to revoke Article 50 because Labour, because the Liberal Democrats, because the DUP, and that would win the majority. Hmm. That would win the majority. But it would also be going against what most of the people it in would, this country but voted. I think he's that charismatic. I think he can say he could face down Brexiteers, apologise for it, but I think he's that charismatic, I think he could sell it, and I think that's the sort of thing that would weld itself to parties that blocked his deal. You could not shift that in a general election, because the ultimate question is, because if Corbyn tried to defend his action, the ultimate question is, well, what would you do? And then he'd be forced to go, well, we're going to sort of do this, this and this, and it would drive, it would drive Labour, the Liberal Democrats, everybody off the table, he'd win a majority then. When I was um, interviewing the Professor of Brexit Studies from Birmingham University on another podcast, he he was talking about Article 50 and everything, and he was saying, I think we spoke about this briefly on a previous podcast, that you can't, legally, you can't actually do that. You have to invoke Article 49 to get it back onto the table. I think you said something like we've got until midnight of the day before it happens, but apparently there's, there's intertwining legalities that can't I think the EU would accept it. Maybe that's what it's hinging on, if the EU... I think the EU would accept it because there's ties. And I just think, 
if it was Theresa May, I would never propose it because she couldn't sell it. I think Boris is charismatic enough and he's got that joie de vivre mm. to actually go out on the campa- campaign trail and say, I wanted it, it was them. So make sure you let them know on polling day. But I don't know if Farage then would rock it to the superstardom that he's but, desiring, isn't but, he? But mm. would that be a bad thing? If you maybe didn't campaign in the north of England when Labour were facing the Brexit party? If Labour lost seats in the north of England to the Brexit party then? Sometimes you've got to, sometimes you've got to gamble and mm. think, well, hang on, if I do it, I'm going to let the Brexit party in. But if they only take Labour seats in the north of England and then we come back to a House of Commons that say 300 Tory MPs, 40 Brexit MPs, mm. that's a majority... And surely then it would be like, well, hang on, you can fight us or you can come on board as we deliver Brexit. Yeah. I know it would mean another two years. I know it would mean another two years. I don't think years. we can cope with another two years. No, I'm not, I don't think we could, but I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to see from a Brexiteer standpoint, if, if he loses the vote, I think it's time. It needs a game changer. I've said for two years we need a game changer. And I think from a Brexit standpoint, I think hanging the sword of revocation over the Brexiteers saying, go on then, because everything you've wished for, I'll take it away. Mm. He could then take the whip off people in the ERG, these rampant Brexiteers that won't agree with anything he does despite being in his own party. It just, I, think he's, I think he's charismatic enough to sell it. Yeah, well, I just... Who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? We need a deal. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be clear. It's not ideal. It's not great. But do you know what? If it means everything runs on day one, this, this, this Ramona will accept it. And we do need a deal. And even if it is a bad deal, and I hate saying this because I wouldn't have said this six months ago... I feel it's time because I think we need to start investing back into I'm our not, towns and I'm our cities. I'm not sure and, it's a bad deal. Yeah. Because surely anything that actually gets us out. And, what, and wasn't it the Irish themselves saying that they wouldn't mind the border actually in the sea? Oh, well, the like, DUP, I mean... I mean, I, that's what I don't understand from the little I've read about it this one, morning. One gentleman <laughs> from the DUP, who I won't name on the podcast, in the same breath said, um, we can't go against the Good Friday Agreement and the will of the Northern Irish people. But it was them who suggested it, wasn't it? The, the, That's the, the same Northern Ir- Irish people who, as a country, voted by, I think, 60%, 40% to stay in the European Union. I don't think the... The DUP, I think... Can I say this without... Oh, hell, it's not going to be listened to in Northern Ireland. The DUP are only interested in the government's money. Mm. I think principles are left at the door. Uh, when the DUP, as long as the as long as the cash register keeps churning out the pound for them or the billions of pounds, anyway, come on, let's let's move off because we've probably lost every listener we've got now. <laughs> Who knows? We could talking. be we could be getting loads more. If you if we're as popular as the Brexit cast, then do let us know, <laughs> and uh, we'll replace what's on BBC One 
because uh, Laura Koonsberg's busy. She probably needs another hour off to explain she, Brexit to somebody. She's somebody who's benefited from this tremendously. All political reporters I think, have. I think she is the one who's the um, superstar of today, though, isn't she? Because she nobody knew who she was really before all this. Except, and now... except the problem is, if Brexit gets done, she then has to do packages into the news that don't begin with, so, Laura, tell us what's going on. I know. She can actually, you know, be creative. She hasn't got to explain something. Uh, maybe, maybe she should get into politics because she's very good at explaining things. It, indeed, indeed. Talking of politics, let's do politics and let's do politics and planning the whole hornet's nest that gets people upset and angry. This is the South Worcestershire Development Plan. What's the South Worcestershire Development Plan, I hear you cry? Well, it's a housing blueprint that governs development across South Worcestershire, including Worcester, for the next two decades. And uh, there's one already in place till 2030. Um... And now the, the preferred options document governing um, development up until 2041 has been released. And Middle Batten Hall Farm, a historic site, green space in the south of Worcester, is not on the list. Which means that if, and if this is put into place straight away, nothing can be built on and this lovely area of Worcester will remain green and pleasant for the years to come. Mm. Um, it has been the subject of a... Con- really contentious tug of war um in 2014 planning permission was given for the site the council Worcester city council fought and fought and got it overturned on appeal but there was a lot of war of words and the local councillors involved were very vehemently uh, against it but the green party councillor louis stephen who represents batten hall on worcester's uh, city council has given cautious approval but warned until this document is actually invoked and put into law it doesn't stop development because it development can only be banned once the document um is in force and this is for new homes it's this not is a this would be about 200 200 400 new homes and do we need lots of new homes in worcester well the swdp it lists about 800 new homes are needed between 2030 and 2041 in worcester uh, but it has earmarked sites mostly towards diglis and bringing old sites into new use uh, but Middlebat and Hull Farm, there's been a campaign group as well set up to oppose it because it's very historic. It goes back to the 12th century um, there, but the plans have always um, caused a lot of uproar. So at the moment, it's not on the SWDP. It's unlikely to be put in the SWDP, but the point being is until that comes into force, that those doc- that document becomes law. Right. The city council have no protection should a planning permission go back in. I'm just reading your article from the front page of today. Um, so the site has monastic granges. What are monastic granges? I don't know. It may be something could, uh, <laughs> monastery type. Well, from a, yeah, they're monastery, but I don't know what granges because I've searched and there's various different explanations. All oh. to do with gardening, but oh, okay. Uh, but the various different explanations. So I won't want to be pinned down to one particular. Uh, thing, but it does it's go just back very to the, old and it should be very protected. old historic and, <laughs> but it is very not middle batten hall farm is beautiful if you ever drive uh, past it it's absolutely beautiful site just lovely well another lovely part of this wonderful city i don't know what we're doing next we're doing billy aren't we do worcester's own billy elliot except he's not called billy elliot he's called billy jordan um who as we're recording this is about to embark on his uh, third fourth night 
of a show in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is as Mulvans Festival Theatre. Billy Jordan, he's 11, he goes to Tudor Grange Academy, and he's won the role as Benji in the musical. Now, I've watched Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the film. don't remember many young actors being involved. No, I don't it, either. This is a musical, musical yeah. version, but uh, good luck, Billy. Fantastic. Billy, Billy Jordan, it just sounds like a Billy cool Jordan. name, yeah. a superstar of the future, doesn't it? Yeah, well, and if you're listening, Billy, and you're on Hollywood and you get nominated for an Oscar, we mentioned you on the podcast. Yeah, come back and talk to us on the yeah, podcast. Come back, or if worse, we'll do a podcast in Hollywood. That would be fun. Claire knows all the Hollywood. <laughs> and I love that um, Tudor Grange... I keep doing stories and hearing about stories. That is a talented school. It is very talented. They, they isn't have it? so many of these little. I think it's the new kind of Sylvia Young of the Midlands. Yeah. Because so many kids go there and um, end up on the West End stage or doing incredible things. That I was writing a story I think the other day about somebody who's doing something at the Hippodrome in Birmingham. Yeah. Young, yeah. Good, good on you, Tudor Drain. Fabulous, fabulous, and also really good GCSE results as well and A level results. I should point that out. Um, as well the latest on Oscar now um, another lovely picture of this wonderful little boy to tug at your heartstrings because if it doesn't you may be dead inside because he's a lovely little chap who is facing adversities we've said and um, brave Oscar Saxelby Lee's mum and dad have actually said that they want his fight to inspire other children uh, in their fight against similar diseases and to that end they have revealed that if this astronomically high sum of money that keeps... 600000 I think I think I checked before I came to record. I think it was something for 597000 in a month. I mean... Incredible. Talk about take your breath away. It's not even half a million now. It's over half a million in a month. Um, but as soon as it gets to 600000 the drawbridge will come down and that money will be ring-fenced for Oscar and anything else raised will go towards other kids and their families battling childhood cancer. And they even hope there'll be enough money raised to fund... Where can I... Oh, they want to have enough funds, hopefully, beyond the 600,000, which would look after Oscar's care, to fund research into Oscar's condition. So that what Oscar has been through, if they can fund research into it, it might help doctors in the future say, ah, right, he's been diagnosed with this so we can improve the treatment and get attacking it quicker or a different way. It's just absolutely fantastic. And do we know yet, Rob, we spoke about it on last week's podcast, do we know when he'll get the green light, whether he can Well, I have breaking news. Oh, okay. He's responded. This treatment that I spoke about last week where he was going to have this treatment in advance of they were trying something... He's responded very, very well to it. Fantastic. We don't know any more than that at the moment. I, I, it is going on as we're recording this, so I'm not at my computer to find out more or by my phone to actually find out more about it, but he's apparently responding very well to this treatment that he's being given at home. Fantastic. So we don't know what that means, don't want to raise any expectations, but I'll, he's responding well. Any of us that have been in the medical profession and had dealings with the medical profession know it's always good news when a doctor says he's responding well. Absolutely. Brilliant. So keep up the fight, Oscar. You know, you're just an absolute, inspira- absolute inspiration and I can't praise you enough. Um, I think we're going to whistle-stop tour to page 14. I don't know why I'm saying that because you'll be reading it online, but I just um, a word of sheer praise for Warden resident Lizzie Ward. Now... 
I struggle with my weight. I'm a very, very over... Well, not very overweight, but I, I do like my food, and I, the idea of losing weight seems anathema to me. Um, but a word of praise to Lizzie Ward from Warnden. She's lost 144 pounds in 18 months. That's a person. That's a whole person <clears throat> in 18 months. That's incredible. She was in what spo- does she do? What was her secret? Can we get her on the podcast and just get all her secrets and answers? We, we, <laughs> we may, I want we, to talk to her. We may, we may have to, but she's, um, eat, she's just eating better. But she once tipped the scales at 29 stones, six pounds. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and she took action when she was walking to her job as a teaching assistant at the local primary school one day and had to stop three times in five minutes because of a shortness of breath. Aww. I admire anybody that can do it. Lizzie, if I had a hero of the week, I would award it to you because the dedication to take action and actually do something to better your life, fantastic. And that is just such an achievement. Um, I'm just reading your article here, and she was saying she'd have 24 packets of crisps a day, yeah. and she'd always be eating out and everything. That's the thing, isn't it? It's eating yeah, out, because it it's cheap. It's you cheap, go to yeah. these fast food places, it's really cheap, it's really yummy, um, but it's just laden with... But not just fast food yeah. places, where if you go eat out at a restaurant, because you're not cooking for yourself, you just look at a menu, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. You, don't, you don't necessarily think about the dietary... Yeah. Uh, implication just like oh that looks nice I shall treat myself absolutely but then the portion's huge and yeah I mean I can't say this because I've finished recording this and I'm going to order a pizza uh, which I usually have on a Thursday lunchtime so I'm no I am no person to come and talk uh, about weight loss in the slightest well it's better than 24 packets of crisps and everything but well done Lizzie we're very proud of you very... and um what an incredible achievement and yes let's get her on the podcast because yeah, I'd love should. to hear all about we it we should do I think we should perhaps um um, do something on that. That should be an idea. We'll we'll ferment we'll ferment an idea. Just quickly, I just want to mention uh, Worcester City play South Normanton Athletic on Saturday. Marco Adagio. All of you Worcester City fans will know that name instantly. The man who scored an injury time winner on his debut, and then an overhead kick two days later to have probably the best first two games in a City shirt ever seen. He's back with City and will be in the squad for the South Normanton game Saturday as Worcester City look to make get back to winning ways. In the league. Anyway, we've gone on for so long. That's about three hours of your life taken out, mostly by Brexit again. I'm sorry. We'll try not to talk about it next week. What we will do now, though, is talk about everything that's coming up in Worcester in this next week because it's Claire's What's on Worcester Roundup. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's on Gate. Thanks, Rob. Once again, loads going on this coming week in and around Worcester. The full list is on our website and also in this week's paper. But here are a few of my top picks of things to see and do over the next few days. Starting on Thursday, the 17th of October, we've got Ed Gamble. He's going to be here at Huntington Hall with his Blizzard tour. This is after a sellout national tour, which he actually started doing in spring earlier this year. And it just keeps going and going. It's been that popular. You'll know Ed from Live at the Apollo, Mock the Week, the Royal Variety. He's a very busy man, appearing on everything, so do catch him while he's here in Worcester. He's also the co-host of the hugely successful Off Menu podcast, which he does with James McCaster, which has reached number one in the iTunes charts recently. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Tickets are going super fast, so do try and get one for Thursday the 17th at Huntington Hall. The show starts at 7.30pm there. 
Then on Friday, the 18th of October, loads of Friday night live music going on all over the place. A few to mention, big night over at Paradiddles with What's Left, State of Ember and the Maximum Zero bands all performing there. The Desperados UK are on at the Sociable Beer Company. The Ron Jeremy Band, they're going to be performing at Drummond's on Friday evening. And we've also got the Swing Hoppers and DJ Fat Sam going down at the White House Hotel in Worcester on Saturday night and what I'm going to try and go and see is the voice of the heart Karen Carpenter happening at Huntington Hall on Friday night this is a terrific show from the producers of the hit musical Forever in Blue Jeans and did you know it's now over 30 years since the legendary Karen Carpenter passed away she left behind an amazing catalogue of hit songs and golden memories and this stunning show celebrates the music of the Carpenters from Yesterday Once More, Goodbye to love close to you and only yesterday to top of the world one of my very favorites and many many more superb songs she's an incredible vocalist carol gordon who plays karen carpenter and there's also the outstanding talent from her brilliant blue jeans band and the singers it's going to be a night to remember so do get your tickets for friday from the worcester live website also on Friday, men in general, they're going to be performing at Elmsley House in Malvern. These are one of my favourite bands and also one of my favourite places in Malvern. It's lovely, Elmsley House. And I really do love these guys. They say they are quadruplets separated at birth, recently reunited by a social networking site. And now they do talking and singing the whole repertoire of Billy Joel, Lou Reed, Marvin Gaye, Rogers and Hammerstein, Tom Jones, the Beach Boys, and you name it, many, many more. It's going to be a fantastic night tickets from Elmsley House Moving on to Saturday, the 19th of October, there's a band night happening at the Worcester Arts Workshop as it opens its basement there to let bands jam out, basically. So grab a beer whilst enjoying free live music from three very amazing local talented bands. The bar opens at 7pm. 7.30, Beware of the Bears, they go on. 8.30, The Social Outcasts. And then at 9.30, The Lightweights. So go and support our local thriving music scene at the Worcester Arts Workshop on Saturday evening. Also on Saturday evening, Life on Mars, a tribute to David Bowie, is going on at Malvern Theatres on Saturday night, promises to be a great show. And also Granny's Attic are also returning to Huntington Hall on Saturday. These are a local folk trio who've been travelling the world singing traditional, um, original folk music and traditional folk music. They've played all over the place and have been heralded for their lively performances and delivery of these special songs. To celebrate 10 years of performing together, They have released a new album and now they're back in their hometown here in Worcester playing a special one-off hometown gig. Do support them. Um, It's going to be a great night. Then my top picks for next week are on Tuesday the 22nd of October and this time it's a talk on Edward Lear, the artist and writer of Nonsense happening at Huntington Hall. The Edward Lear we all know and love was the writer of children's favourites, including The Owl and the Pussycat, of course, and The Jumblies, as well as many poems in the form of limericks, which, incidentally, he also illustrated. He was primarily, actually, an artist, a painter of watercolours, which he used to illustrate travel journals, as well as oil paintings, which he sold to the very well-to-do families of the day. He even taught Queen Victoria and her daughter to paint, apparently. So he was a very multi-talented Victorian, who perhaps deserved 
deserves more consideration than he's generally given. So do go along and find out all about him at this informative talk, tickets from the Worcester Live website. And also on Tuesday, that's Tuesday the 22nd of October, we've got Greg Aminar and his Size Matters show happening at Malvern Theatres, which I highly suggest. I originally thought this was going to be a comedy show, but no, Greg is actually the three times UCI biking downhill world champion. He's the three time downhill world cup champion and he's got 21 world cup races behind him wins behind him he's arguably one of the greatest mountain bikers in the history of the sport and in this brand new show greg takes audiences on a journey of his incredible enduring racing career and the story of his life covering everything from the early days of riding and to his rise to the top the bikes that helped him get there and the teams behind the legendary rider. Sounds like a great talk. Get your tickets from Malvern Theatres. And that concludes my top picks for this week ahead. Do check out the full listings in our paper and also on our website. And remember, if you have an event going on, let us know so we can let everyone know. Back to you, Rob. Thank you, Claire. We're still friends despite it all. We're going to get a deal sorted. We're going to be out of the EU by October the 31st. And... The podcast will come to an end on November the 1st because we'll have nothing left to talk about or argue about. Uh, but thanks for your contribution. Thank you for listening. Um, do visit us, worcesterobserver.co.uk, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email me, editor, at worcesterobserver.co.uk with any thoughts, news, letters, feedback, just insults if you fancy. I don't mind seeing those either. But until we meet again, I think we're done here. Bye-bye. <laughs>